BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. To the Paranorm Girl podcast. I am your host, Kristen. Today's episode is going to be a shorty, but a good one, a bit more dressed down and more so in the vein of our 100th episode celebration, just so y'all know what's up before we proceed. All right, let us proceed. So I recently attended Squatch Fest over on the west side. I had an amazing time, you guys. Ah, so amazing. Uh, I met a few names in the field. I learned some awesome new Sasquatch information, connected with some virtual friends in person for the first time, Uh, had my most embarrassing moment in recent history. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But uh, we are going to go through all of it from start to finish. And for my viewing audience, I will also be sharing some pics of the journey as well. So I really hope you guys enjoy this unusual episode, the Paranorm Girls 2024 Squatch Fest Report. Our first destination was the North American Bigfoot Museum in Boring, Oregon, owned by Cliff Barrickman. This place... I don't know what I was expecting, uh, but it wasn't this. Not that I was expecting anything bad, but you guys, this museum is a museum. Like, it's it's just put together so well. The walls are covered in information placards and, and pictures and newspaper clippings. Uh, there are plaster casts to examine. A giant Bigfoot, as soon as you walk in. His name is Murphy. And uh, he is terrifying. 
by the way. Like, he dwarfs the tallest person in the room. And if Murphy is at all close to what people are describing them encountering out in the woods, holy heck, tell me again how the witness should have taken a non-shaky photo as they are literally soiling themselves in this creature's presence. Uh, Things that I especially loved about the museum's exhibits were the inclusion of the native and early settler history, uh, the actual plaster casts, both feet and hands, and uh, this this innocent-looking display called The Smell of Sasquatch, which contains the description of the smells that have been reported, which we are all probably familiar with by now, I'm sure. We've all heard one description or another. Witnesses claim the stink is overwhelming, musky, skunky, like uh, like unwashed human, like wet dog, etc., etc. And below the signage sits this little squeeze bottle <laughs> with some pheromone chips inside of it, under the assumption that Bigfoot is an undiscovered ape. These chips are embedded with the reproductive pheromones from great apes and humans, and attendees are invited to, you know, take a little whiff. Now, I am a curious sort, <laughs> and, uh, and so I did. And when I tell you those chips are chips of absolute doom and horror, you will wish you were the person before you ever smelled them. Just, ugh, just foul. <sighs> Two things I thought about as my life flashed before my eyes. Number one, now I understand why the scent of Sasquatch may stick out to folks out in the woods and put them into this, like, hyper-awareness state. Because that smell does not belong in the woods. To me, it, it does not. It is foreign. It would put me on guard because it smelled to me just like, like Frito toes and unwashed butt inside of a teenage boy's dirty socks buried in a landfill in the sun. <laughs> yeah, that's about how they smelled. Uh, my other thought, though, I did not smell skunk. I did not smell wet dog, both of which have been repeatedly reported. And uh, another piece of information in the signage that caught my attention was that some people will take a whiff of the contents of this squeeze bottle from hell and report that they barely smell anything at all. So my other thought was, I wonder if people are actually smelling something different, like different scents in these encounters, like like their nose and biology is is interpreting the scent differently, if that makes sense. Not that it really matters, but uh, I would be curious to know if two people in the same encounter might describe the scent drastically differently. 
Now, Sasquatch pheromones may stink, but you know what smells good to everyone? Manscaped. And this unusual and very off-the-cuff episode is brought to you by our friends over there. As Valentine's Day draws near, love is in full swing. The perfect gift for him? Let Manscaped bring grooming perfection care that's divine for a Valentine's present. The ultimate find. Getting ready for Valentine's Day and don't know what gift to give the man in your life? No worries. Manscaped is here to save your love story with the all-new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra. Snag 20% off plus free shipping with code PNG at checkout. It's the ultimate gift to elevate his grooming game and keep the romance alive all year round. Cupid approved. Let me help the ladies to uh, help their fellas out this Valentine's Day. Suave, sensitive, smooth, and smelling freaky good. Okay? Proper hygiene is good to have. Period. Like all the time. But when love is in the air, when they are dressing and and dining and wooing to impress, now is not the time for them to fall short. Ladies, we are aware how important scent is. Visual cues and scents can be all that we need to know before they even utter a word. We can see they care about their appearance with the help of grooming tools like the hero of the Performance Package 5.0, the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, with our bearded kings, the Beard Hedger. Got it. Check. Sir, no words. Shh, 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 shut your butt. Shut your butt. I can see. But the beacon of attraction, the lasso that lands, can be found in the supporting characters. Like the crop preserver, ball deodorant, ultra premium deodorant, crop mop wipes. All featuring their signature refined cologne. Mmm, love is in the air. You may sweep me off my feet now, sir. Thank you very much. Give them and you the gift of smooth and smelling good. And get 20% off and free shipping with the code PNG at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code PNG. Here's to keeping the romance alive, one smooth move at a time. One other exhibit I really liked, and uh, and then I'll move on, was the example of a Bigfoot nest and information all about the Olympic project and their discoveries. It's pretty exciting how many of these humongous nests that they found, and the hair samples, and the handprints, and the footprints, both around the nests, but also beneath the nests. You know, like what would be left by the builder of said nest. That just seems like a, a, an awful diligent detail for a hoaxer to include out on the Olympic Peninsula. But 
these nests are absolutely incredible and huge. We are talking like like eight feet long. And uh, they, they, they are not some mad dash attempt at a temporary bed. These things are intricate with sticks and brush woven together in such a way that only an owner of either a beak and bird feet or flexing fingers and a thumb could do. You know what I'm saying? Okay. On our way out the door, I met and spoke with Tyler of the Bigfoot and the Citizen Scientist podcast. He was a sweetheart. Uh, Shout out to him and his show. And then we were on our way to Kelso. We checked into the hotel and immediately noticed the caution tape over one of the doors and uh, and also a, a plastic bag wrapped around our smoke detector. Not the greatest choice on my part. I will admit that now. But yeah, I'm proud. You know, I'm from the streets of, of Libby, Montana. I, I can handle my own, you know. And uh, the, the staff was just just lovely. While I was over there, I also got to see one of my brothers up in Tacoma. I have not seen him in years. So I caught up with him and his wife. And uh, I, I only bring this up because quite randomly, we started talking about Bigfoot. And they told me something that I have never heard before. I started recording. And I shall play that for you now. I don't have a guy. All right, tell me about the owl again. So there's a specific owl that will warn Bigfoot when you enter the woods, if he's nearby, that that there are people coming. And that will let Bigfoot know. So if you hear that owl, you know the Bigfoot is near. That is so incredibly interesting because I've heard multiple stories already of like when people are just out like looking for Bigfoot or they're doing calls or whatever, like they're on an expedition, they'll often talk about, no, you know, we heard, we heard other animals and we heard, gosh, we're hearing a lot of owls and like, you know, you can mm-hmm. tell like the difference. So they know it's not Bigfoot, but they like owl comes up a lot mm. in regards to these Sasquatch stories, but also like in regards to the paranormal in general and like the owl as a character in Native American history is really like it's mm-hmm. it's such a powerful mm-hmm. part of that too mm-hmm. i don't know man i think it's all tied together if it's yeah not the eagle no it no. was and i wish i could remember or what kind of owl it was Plus, they're supposed to smell really bad so that's quite yeah for yeah at cliff bergman's museum that we were at yesterday he has a little uh like exhibit there with a little squeezy bottle like you would just find at a picnic mm-hmm. you know like for yeah. ketchup and they put the chips in there um, that's supposed to like attract Bigfoot. Like oh. some investigators can take him out mm-hmm. there because it's supposed to smell like really, really mm-hmm. good to them, like the, their pheromones. And you can chips. squeeze it a little bit Potato and smell chips. it. And it's supposed to be kind of similar to what the smell of Sasquatch. Dude, you have never smelled something so foul. That's what I feel like. It's the worst life. smell ever. <laughs> it's it was awful. But that's the thing is, I don't remember yeah, that's being what in the is. woods and I'm smelling. Serious. No, that, that's like, what really it's attracting. Smell. If it's the pheromones, it's all about mating. So just like with deer and stuff, you can buy deer pheromones that you can, female pheromones, and hunters have done yeah. this. And there's videos on YouTube of hunters getting the <laughs> kicked out of them by bucks 
who come looking for a mate run into the hunter and then just kick the f- out of him because he smells because he's not the oh, mate. These chips aren't actually female Sasquatch pheromones. I mean, probably. That would be amazing if that were true. So I played this for you uh, for the owl bit, but yeah, Bigfoot hunters, beware if you are out there using the pheromone chips. Can you imagine attracting a male Sasquatch rare and to go and he shows up to find little old you? He might be a little perturbed. That's what I'm saying. But as to this owl connection, who has heard of this? Who who out there has heard of this? I would love to speak with you. A specific owl whose calls Bigfoot uses as a heads up that man is in the forest. I don't know. Interesting stuff. Headed back to Kelso. After that, Squatch Fest officially started at 4 p.m., Thankfully, we arrived early and found a great parking spot uh, because not too long after, the parking lot was full and the line at the door was a growing. Uh, it got to be our turn walking into the building and wow, you could feel a, 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 just a buzz of excitement, just tons of bodies, tons of just buzzing conversations, a giant Bigfoot statue at the front. Uh, I don't know. It, it was a cool, like, uh, I don't know. It just felt cool walking in. So, um, yeah, I'm feeling good, feeling confident at this moment. Yeah. I've got my uh, my business cards, you know, fresh off the press and ready to, to rub some elbows and make some new friends. And I'm just feeling good. As soon as I walked through the door to the vendor area, boom, first vendor I see, 12 o'clock, Cliff Barrickman. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Cliff, I'm going to make you my friend, and we're going to be besties, bestie, but, you know, later. And then, you know, I started walking that way. So I started making my way around uh, the vendor area, immediately wanted to buy way more than I could afford, but uh, had to stop in at my buddies Tim and Dana of the Bigfoot Influencers table and meet them in person. They are just the nicest, and uh, their show and book just rocks. Check it out. I continued on my way. Now, I am an introvert with the ability to present as an extrovert. I hope that makes sense to you guys, but I always have to have a plan of attack in these public settings. You feel me? So I, uh, my main focus here at the start was just, just get the lay of the land, you know, spot anything I might want to buy the following day from the booths. Uh, but yeah, yeah, just, just let the excitement of it all just settle in. And I know there are many of you out there listening right now uh, that have been to a million Bigfoot conventions and you're, you're, you're eye rolling me at my innocent amazement. But dang it, this was my first ever Bigfoot convention and, and only my second convention ever. So excuse my silly excitement. Anyway, so continued on my way, passed by Cliff again, passed by his table again, and I was like, mm-hmm. Catch you later, Gator. And then I, you know, went that way. Uh, But one of the coolest moments 
was when I stopped into this booth and started talking with Miss Makina Jewel at Bonekin Creations. She does customized wood etchings on things like pins and and dice and little like wood cutouts. And I was drawn in thinking, oh, dang, I got to commemorate, you know, my first Bigfoot convention. I will get myself a pin. So we got to talking and, uh, you know, with this young lady and we, we were jiving, you know, gelling. And I mentioned, hey, maybe uh, I, I want uh, one of your customized pins with my show name on it. And she asks, oh, what's your show? And I hand her a card and she scans the little QR code on the back of the card. And then she looks up at me with a smile and she's like, oh, my gosh. I'm totally going to fangirl on you, but I, I I already follow your show. I thought you looked familiar. You guys, I was recognized out in the wild. <laughs> I was beside myself with just stupid glee. So I ordered the pen and uh, it, it was ready for me bright and early the following morning. And, and it's just awesome. It's I, I just love it. And I want to shout out Makina at Bonekin Creations and recommend that you all connect with her on socials. Uh, very talented lady. Have her make you something cool. Following this, they held a panel in the auditorium with all of the following day's speakers, including Dr. Jeff Meldrum, Ken Gerhard, Michael Freeman, Shane Corson, Matt Pruitt, and Cliff Berkman. I missed Craig Yon's introduction earlier when I was, you know, schmoozing with my one and only fan, but uh, he would be the MC for the entire thing. Uh, he, he was just a presence the entire time. So that was day one. Second day, the following day, I knew going in, it was going to be just jam-packed, full of speakers and food trucks and beer tasting. Okay. Uh, They had a beer tasting tent with live music playing like all the time. Just rad. It was so rad. Uh, And I'm I'm a fan of my, you know, my my specialty brews, my IPAs. I know. Gross, right? Uh, So first thing this morning, I headed into Dr. Meldrum's talk. It was outstanding, of course. What a great way to start this day. Uh, during his lecture, he had just really thorough, like, this this look through the distribution and density of Sasquatch and the comparisons of diet and environment to, like, bears in the state of Washington. Uh, he also put up some pictures of some sexy bits of, of monkeys and stuff. Uh, that was a whole other thing. Uh, but let's let's talk about this population thing. Uh, so he I, I just thought he he made a really good case for the population numbers that he arrived at. And interestingly, he applied the ratio math that he was using for Washington on a bunch of other states and would come up with the same sasquatch to bear ratio of one to one hundred and making their population, for the state of Washington, very, very low, but the minimum viable population. And he made a really good case 
as to why the Sasquatch can continue on and thrive with such low numbers due to their low genetic load and less genetic impact due to inbreeding. It's happening. Uh, th this is this is just the kind of geeky stuff of my dreams, dudes. And uh, hearing this actually compelled me to ask him a question back at his table and following his talk regarding why when Krantz had written about this one to 100 ratio of Sasquatch versus bear decades ago, you know, in big footprints, um, compared to this modern day understanding of basically the same numbers, why with more than enough resources, more than enough food, more than enough space to grow, why this species population seems to remain the same over the course of decades. You know, it's only natural for life to want to populate, right? And he would explain it in much more detail and, and eloquent terms than this, but boiled down, he said it's because they don't need to. They are, this is the perfect population for them to be. And it would be unlikely, actually, that they would grow much larger. So, Dr. Jeff got my brain firing on all cylinders. First thing, all of the speakers were amazing that day, all leading up to Cliff's talk at the end. But the other one that I wanted to speak to was Michael Freeman, son of famous Bigfoot researcher and investigator, Paul Freeman. His talk was just really interesting. He has written a book called The Freeman Bigfoot Files, which I have purchased, you know, digging into now, grabbed my e-copy as soon as I got home. But um, basically his talk was, was like both an intimate look uh, at his dad and like his personal memories of those days, but also he would go through his well-known evidence, including photos and videos. He showed the the famous capture the um the oh oh there he goes you know that video and I, I have watched it before a lot there is just something so genuine about this capture and I have felt that since the first time that I saw it but if I hadn't already been of that opinion before Michael's talk I certainly would have been following as a matter of fact my sister, who accompanied me on this journey, walked into the convention skeptical and just not sure what she thought about the whole subject and walked out quite a bit more friendly to the existence of Sasquatch thanks to Michael's lecture. One moment that just threw me was when he played the, the second part of that video. And I had heard other people talking about this, oh, there's there's a baby Sasquatch in there. Uh, Doug Hycheck had noticed it eight years after Paul Freeman had shot it. Paul hadn't seen the baby when he was there, when he watched the video following, and neither did anyone else that he showed in the years following. Fast forward eight years, Doug's sitting there watching this thing on repeat and suddenly goes, hold up. What is that? You guys, <laughs> I was in the front row watching this video replay on the big screen and it finally clicked. I finally saw it. 
there is a dang baby being picked up and swung around in that video. That's absolutely what it looks like. And I don't know what else it could be. Even looking at it skeptically, as skeptically as I possibly can, I don't know what else it could be. I was just at a loss and just uh, really affected by that. Following this, we, uh, we broke for a quick break, uh, headed out to the food truck area. A lot of serendipitous bordering on paranormal things happened on this break. And if you guys ever want to know about the weirdness, just just let me know and I will tell the story on the show. Uh, basically, my brother-in-law's death anniversary, uh, he it fell on this weekend and he paid us a visit. It was really weird, but incredible. Uh, but back to the Bigfoot stuff. Standing in line, my sister started to talk with the fellow behind us because he had the coolest Bigfoot Hawaiian shirt on. Ended up being the lovely gent who took the famous photo of Sasquatch up on the snowy slope. I will put that picture up here for my viewing audience. Uh, but my, my listening audience, you do know it. So we met and chatted him up. You just, um, you never know who you're going to meet at these things. And following this, met up with another of my virtual buddies for the first time in real life, Mr. Dwayne of Sasquatch Syndicate. Brother from another mother. I tell you what, uh, I have linked their show in the notes if you want to go give them a subscribe. It was at this point, Dwayne says, yeah, he knows Cliff and he would be so kind as to introduce us. And having spent all this time kind of waiting for the right moment to go, you know, make a good impression on the man, I was like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, now is the time. So we go up to the table. I am introduced. Cliff turns his, his by this time, very tired attention all on me. And I froze, dudes. <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh, total deer in the headlights moment. I don't know why. He's a nice dude. <laughs> I can't explain it. But I'm only human. And uh, that, uh, that is what happened. I, I did manage to mumble something incoherent, like, uh, oh, I, I love Bigfoot and Beyond, just so glad to meet you, and really looking forward to your talk, and, and then uh, instead of confidently just asking him to be a guest on my show, for some reason, the universe saw fit to make it so much worse. <laughs> I was like... You know, I, I, I was just wondering how, how, how one goes about being a guest on your show. <laughs> is there, is there like an application or something? That's not, that's not what I said, but it, it was something to that effect. <sighs> he was gracious enough with his answer. It shook my hand and then I crawled away to go die somewhere. So. That was the most embarrassing moment, if you haven't gathered yet. 
<laughs> nothing a little beer tasting won't soothe. Uh, so we, we went and got a drink and then headed back into the auditorium for Cliff's talk, which was great, of course. One thing he talked about reminded me of an episode that I intend to do before the season is over. Throughout these seasonal explorations, I always dedicate at least one episode to a skeptical take, right? And throughout the Bigfoot history, there have been some absolutely phenomenal hoaxes. So I do intend to cover those. But he told us about this personal one that I found very interesting. So somebody had submitted a photo to him. The person claimed it to be like a a, a trail cam capture, I believe. Uh, it, it was a close-up of what appears to be a very furry elbow of a Sasquatch. The person who sent it was like, oh my God, look, look what I captured. What do you think? Turns out the elbow did belong to a Sasquatch that Cliff was very familiar with because it's sitting in his museum. The Murphy hoax. <laughs> a for effort. F for literally everything else and for trying to trick people. You know, it's just some people always going to make it harder than it has to be. Anyway, following this talk, I headed back into the vendor area to say my goodbyes. Congrats to Tim and Dana for selling out, my dears. Awesome. So awesome. I'm so happy for you. Um, I officially met and chatted with Michael Freeman and Ken Gerhard while I was in there. Just... Uh, awesome laid-back guys. Uh, yeah, that was so cool. Uh, got some autographs, joked, laughed, talked. It, it very much felt like a, a celebratory thing, like, like mission accomplished for everyone, and everyone was just relaxed, and it was, uh, it was just very cool to close it down that way. And that was really it for Squatch Fest. That, that is my recap. <laughs> So uh, this was an unusual episode. Again, basically just wanted to do a check-in with you guys uh, and tell you all the cool stuff that happened on my journey. But uh, I hope you guys still enjoyed it. We will be back to our regularly scheduled program come next week. We have to cover our remaining horseman, Dr. Grover Krantz. And then I think we may start getting into a certain film. We all know and love. Hmm. Thank you guys for tuning in. Be sure you follow the show on the socials at Paranormal Girl Pod for updates and announcements. And currently, I am trying to bring the YouTube channel to the next level. You know, got my eye on 500. So if you are catching this on YouTube, if you would be so kind, hit that like button, subscribe and share with your friends. I sincerely appreciate it. I'm thinking we should do another listener giveaway once we hit the 500. Ah, I got some new merch in. I got more Manscaped. We could do a, a big one. I don't know. The idea just kind of sort of occurred to me just now. So more deets as we get closer. For now, yes, we will do a giveaway once we hit 500. 
spread the word. Um, before we close today, the PGP Patreon is growing. People getting wise to what's up over there. No ads, early access, shoutouts such as the following. Laura joined the researcher tier. Thank you so much for your contribution and support of the show, my dear. I, I really hope you've been enjoying the extra content. I, I've really appreciated your comments and staying in touch with you. Just thank you for believing in the show and showing your love of it in this way. Currently on the agenda, I am scheduled to be a vendor at the Wild West Paracon and Tombstone come the end of April, which is a huge milestone for this show and will allow me to meet and speak with even more folks in the paranormal field, which helps grow this show. It is because of my patrons that I am able to make this trip and make it spectacular. So thank you, Laura. Appreciate you, lady. Gil also became one of my researchers. Gil of the Black Cat Report, incredible show. I am uh, I'm a fan of his and Joey's, and to have him jump on board just makes me giddy. It just means so much. Gil is also my new co-host on the recently premiered Beer, Booze, and Boogeymen, and is the crazy genius behind getting it all to work and streamlining listener submissions of their stories and live call-ins to the show. Something kind of special and unique. And both I and our other co-host, Damien of Life Beyond Six Feet, are so thankful for you, dude. You rock. So shout out to you and shout out to Art Bell. That will be a wrap for today, but we will be back at it Tuesday. See you guys then. Stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.